people are longing to know, is God really coming into the world? This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Yejide Peters-Peterson, Associate Dean and Director of Formation at Berkeley Divinity School at Yale, and Bill Gettler, Associate Dean for Ministerial and Social Leadership and Lecturer in Parish Leadership and Church Administration. They're discussing Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, which is appointed for Christmas Day, proper one in year A. Here's the text. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place in the guest room. Now in that same region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. I spent 30 years of pastoral ministry wondering what to do with this story every Christmas Eve. Such a familiar story, so very important in our faith and in our shared memory, how to tell it in a way that is going to honor it and meet people where they are, how to, how to tell it in a way that is compelling to people who have heard it so many times before, some of whom are infrequently in church, shall we say, infrequently in worship, and others who are there every single week. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is the delight and the frequency with which we hear birth stories. Grandparents, parents telling 
telling the stories of the birth of a child. The pains of early labor, the rush to a birthing center, the long hours of waiting, the terror, the wonder of birth. You know, it's just such a, a, an important part of the human story for all of us. And, and that's one of the reasons this, this story, I think, is, is so compelling. The vividness of birth stories and also of adoption stories and the ways in which children and new life come into our world, they're so exciting. I, I have a three-year-old niece and nephew. They're twins. And, and for the pandemic time, I wasn't able to see them because I lived abroad. And they were with me for Christmas um, and isn't that sad? I've just consigned their parents to just what being nobodies. <laughs> my amazing brother and sister-in-law were also there. Awesome. But these little, little people were there. And I think what children give us is a sense of hope in the future. And I think why this story is so complicated and compelling is in the midst of the story of a hope for the future, we see a, a, a family that is destitute. Um, they are they are hurting and they are unable to begin this child's life in the way that we ordinarily begin a child's life. You know, surrounded by family, encouraged, loved. In fact, they begin life in, in these really dire circumstances. And I think part of what I wonder about that is, you know, I was so excited to see my niece and nephew. I think a part of us, maybe a bit of us, wants that story to be different this time. Like, this time we got it right. This time he's not born, you know, with nobody able to to celebrate him. And, and I, I think part of that is that would let us off the hook so we wouldn't have to see all the other Marys and Josephs that we create in this part of the world to, to sojourn alone on all kinds of levels. You know, people giving birth in, in prison, people giving birth, you know, at the border, people giving birth, you know, and, and trying to make it on a raft from Europe, from one part of Europe to the, to the next and, and not making it. Right. These are real stories. And I, that's where I think that the, the, the heartache is for us as much as the joy. So we wonder, what is it that people are longing to hear, and also what is it that the faithful need to hear? Mm. Sometimes we tell it as the story of the corrupt who hold political power mm. and, and the urgency of this, of this tiny family in the midst of that power. Sometimes we tell it as the story of those simple shepherds who delight in what they cannot begin to understand. The wonder of the faithful ones who somehow understand that something miraculous is taking place in spite of the humbleness of this dwelling, in spite of the, the powers that surround them. I mean, I think one of the realities is when you're preaching this, you're not, okay, we've been around 2,000 years with this story. Your version of what this story means, somebody said it, okay? You're not going to find the brand new meaning for this most likely. Maybe you will, and, you know, God bless you. You probably win a Pulitzer, but the rest of us, we're, we're just going to do our best. But the reality is in these, let's say, this catalog of maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands of possible interpretations, the question is, which one is the one? And I think for me, when I would preach this, I would think about those who showed up who think they're showing up for a Christmas ham, but I believe that even though you don't know it, you're showing up for this good news. Because honestly, in this day and time, you could skip that Christmas, skip this service and go to the ham. No one is going to stop you. Right, but, but somehow you showed up. Right. Somehow you showed up. And so my question is, how do we cultivate a newness for this story that matches that of those who are hearing it? Not for the first time, but it, they don't hear this story or think about this event every day. 
How do we meet them there? Because I think there is an excitement and urgency to this story. People are longing to know, is God really coming into the world? Is God really here with me? I think that part is always there among the faithful and the otherwise, and that this story is a prism for the time we live in, the place we are, who we are. But there's something about that that I think is 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 um, alluring and, and infinitely exciting, even for those who are skeptical. How are we to make room? How are we to be renewed? What's the power of the of the star that's before us? Those are the kinds of questions I think that you might be be leading us toward. What what deeply important thing is is happening here? Yes, happened a couple of thousand years ago and is happening in the present day. And and what difference does that make? How might that make a difference for us? And then just circling back to what you said about the birth stories, that there's some part of us that wants to know we're caught up in that. And I found myself, for example, when I was with my niece and nephew, just wanting to see the world through their eyes, wanting to experience Christmas like they were experiencing. And I was so and just enamored with the way they, they the wonder, because this is their first Christmas, they'll, they'll remember probably. I mean, they're three. It's a magical age because you do have some sense of the world around you. And I think one of the things, one of the reasons why Christmas is so special is all these people show up and it's wonderful for them. For those of us who have our seat in the pew and we know where we sit, this is not wonderful in the same way. But imagine, you only come every three years it's wonderful. There's also an openness in this moment, in, in hearing this story on, on Christmas Eve or in that season. I think that there is a spiritual openness that, yeah, through the eyes of a child, I think gets at something really important. Un, unburdened by all of the doubts with which we have grown so familiar, to let go of those for even a few moments and see how it is that, that the holy might be present. My favorite moment for all of my time of worshiping here in, in America, in, in my tradition, a lot of people do this with the candles and they sing Silent Night. And, you know, it can people think it's a bit schlocky, but I have to say that when I was a parishioner, it was the most moving thing that happened all year for me. Aside from when Barbara Lundbad um, preached uh, an Easter vigil service that made me cry, but aside from that, it was always the most moving thing for me because there's something about, about the way in which we are all reduced to the place of a child in that moment. And you feel the hopefulness of everyone there straining and hoping that when the lights come back on, like, it'll be different. I think it's fair as a preacher to invite people into that space, mm. to, to set aside the cynicism mm. and, and to know that, that sometimes God really will move in people's lives in, in a time and space like that and to expect that to happen, to dare to expect that to happen. Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the key. And I think to not let our own cynicism or our own familiarity with the story and, and I mean, like, oh, here they come. Here come the Christmas people. I mean, like, that, that to see it, like, how great. You're giving this story one more chance. Let me take that seriously. Because it is annoying. Because you kind of feel like, where have you been all year? Now, now you're all here. 
Or could it be, wow, where have you been all year? I'm so glad you're here. And it's hard to cultivate that because we are human. We are human. And maybe part of what we don't want to admit is that we're hoping that they won't be like that reluctant cousin or a sibling who comes around, you know, once every year. We want them to be that one that we can call up to. So we're longing for that. But if we're longing for that, how much more is God longing for that? Maybe this story became so special because something about it expresses something about the, the family of God in the best sense of the word that we all want to hear, you know, that he came You know, Jesus came and was among us just like us. And some part of us is in that story. We want to believe that. It's it's just, I, I think this is just, you know, Christmas. What can you do, right? It's, it's the best and the worst of times. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Deans Peterson and Gettler, for your thoughts on preparing us for Christmas Eve. And Merry Christmas, everyone. For a transcript of this episode and lots more Bible study resources, visit YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.